0: You know, I think what I sort of specialised in is almost like where production meets programming. So I've been able to sort of see both sides of the role because, from a very early sort of age, I was brought into the big you know programming discussions and the big programming decisions. So it was great to be able to sort of you know feed both those two beasts at the same time. Chris is an
1: absolute weapon, and I'm really really excited to bring you this episode. Hello, my name is Dom Evans. I'm head of production at Fox FM in Melbourne, and I'm talking to audio producers from all around the world about how they craft the sound of radio stations. This is Podcast. <laughs>
0: Serious next
1: My guest today is Chris Thorpe from On The Sly, um, whose resume is so long I could probably spend the entire episode running through it, uh, so I won't do that, I want to get to Chris because there's a lot to share, Uh, but just very quickly, we're going to touch on his time at Galaxy and Kerrang! back in the day. Uh, He worked uh, based in Sydney doing Virgin Radio for stations in Dubai, Thailand, Turkey and Jordan, and then went to Nova Entertainment, or DMG as it was known back then, as a group production director for two years and also the APD of Nova in Melbourne. And now, of course, at On the Sly um, with a very impressive international list of clients including BBC, My FM Los Angeles, Virgin Radio, bunch of iHeart stations, just to name a few. Um, super experienced, a lot to share and, as he describes himself, a real mix of programming and production which I think is increasingly more important. So, here he is.
2: On the sly.co.uk.
1: First of all, congratulations on having such a stellar career and still going so strong. Thank you. I was having a look at your LinkedIn just to get some of the dates right, and I thought, oh, yeah. there's actually so much experience here, it's kind of hard to cover it all off.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit of a radio gypsy moving around.
1: <laughs> it's amazing. I did just want to touch on a couple of your earlier stuff. Yeah, sure. Um, at Galaxy, this JT intro, <laughs> I absolutely love it. <laughs>
2: Uh, you know what? Can we back it up just a little bit? Uh, hey, this is Justin Timberlake uh, on Galaxy. Me. Galaxy yeah. You're number one for dancing RB. <laughs> Fresh
1: music first.
2: Justin Timberlake.
1: On
0: Galaxy. Don't so quick to I love it. How many times have you listened to that and had a compliment on that? Yeah, do you know, I've not actually heard it for a while. We used to sort of, you know, we went through a phase of doing uh, sort of power intros and stuff like that at Galaxy and we became, you know, sort of pretty famous for them. And um, yeah, the JT one, um, yeah, of, to be fair, you listen back and it's pretty long, which you wouldn't do nowadays. <laughs> but I remember like, you know, when I went on a holiday one time when I was at Galaxy and um, uh, Dan, who was the other producer there, he, we had Mystique in the sort of 90s uh, R&B Garage Act. And yes. we basically had them sort of sing a, a power intro, but they basically sung... They, they rapped and they sung pretty much the entire first verse and the first <laughs> chorus. So we pretty much had like a sort of, you know, 55, 60, you know, 70 second power intro. And I thought, yeah, that's pretty much pushing it. It's
1: probably a little longer than we would run now, but yes. I can tell you had a huge amount of fun making it.
0: Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it used to be great fun.
1: And Kerrang, so you were actually the assist, the Deputy Program Director
0: there as well, right? Yeah, so I started, I came across as head of production and then I added, um, yeah, APD to um, to that uh, after about a year when um, there was a management change and um, Andrew, who was the PD, he moved down to Kiss and then um, Adam, who's the music guy, moved up and basically, yeah, everyone sort of moved up a little bit so, yeah, I became APD on top of that, sort of juggling those two but, you know, we had a great imaging team by that point so I sort of lead them in direction but uh, I wouldn't necessarily be producing from that point on. All, you- Correct. all your
2: favourite
1: music.
0: Well, no, actually, it's all our favourite music but, you know... Whatever.
1: Kerrang 105.2. There's a very cool sound to Kerrang. How would you describe these pieces? The term irreverent came to mind, but I don't know if that quite covers it.
0: Yeah, I guess, you know, the the strap line for that was, um, or the positioning was uh, music with attitude. So the whole thing was because Mm. there was obviously, primarily it's a rock based station, but it had to be wider than that. And obviously, the Kerrang magazine was very sort of metal led, and they had a bit of a sort of challenge with the brand to sort of say, this isn't, you know, this isn't a metal station, this is a wider sort of rock station, but it also plays um, a bit of hip hop. So there's a bit of Eminem and 50 Cent and stuff. And then there was, you know, some softer stuff like a bit of Coldplay, maybe occasionally a bit of, you know, David Gray or something. So it was all come under the, uh, you know, music with attitude. It was good because you basically, the the trick was was to take the piss out of everything. Always take the piss out of yourself. So it's never we're better than them. And all the opposition stations were very sort of, you know, traditional sort of CHR, selly, hypey. And we just went the exact opposite of that. We did the anti-sell sort of saying, you know, you're good. We're crap. We know we're crap. And, you know, I guess it really sort of helps cut through when everyone else is screaming and hard selling at you. And we're saying, yeah, we're rubbish. We know we're rubbish and doing it in a sort of, you know, different alternative way. It just gives you loads of scope and you have so much fun with it.
1: Totally. It's so good. I mean, the, um, the best presenter sweep i thought i knew what was coming and i didn't (laughs) and i laughed out loud and i thought oh i love these pieces of (laughs) imaging that you just don't know where they're gonna go
2: we only hire the best presenters
1: in our price range karang
2: 105.2
1: Certainly in Australia, I don't hear as much of that as I would like to. Um,
0: is that prominent in the UK, that style at the moment? No, not really anymore. I mean, to be fair, you know, there's some personality stuff on stations like um, Absolute Radio and stuff. and you know People have to do bits of personality, but there's nothing really like Kerrang! was. I mean, I think, to be fair, Kerrang! You know, it came from a number of places, but I think it was partly inspired by Nova because um, Andrew was the PD of Kerrang! at the time. He worked in Australia, mm. and I think he really liked some of the stuff that Nova was doing. And so it wasn't certainly a copy of Nova, but it was sort of taking on some of that sort of, you know sensibility and bring it in but doing it in a sort of more rocky style and a bit more a sort of um, more aggressive but but still you know in a very I mean the, the British sense of humour is really good in that way I guess similar to Australia the fact you can just take the piss mm. and it just works really well and everyone just goes along with it and you know the, the, the Kerrang! stuff it got to the point where you know, I mean, we won all these awards for it, which is fantastic, but it got to the point where um, listeners used to write in and they used to start writing the liners for us, so they'd start writing the irreverent <laughs> sweepers. And they'd send you know, some, amazing. you know, some 14-year-old kid, like, send a, a page through, <gasps> scribbled on notepaper. I really wish I'd hang on to it because some of it was, you know, some of it was no good, some, but some of it was just really harsh and really cutting, and you're like, you know, we could never use that, but it was just, just, just cut straight to the juggler and it was, it was really good.
2: Summer's finally here. But we're in the West Midlands, miles away from any beach. So why not go down to the canal bank and spend the day dodging tramps, rent boys, broken bottles, and watching the shopping trolleys pass in the breeze?
1: Kerrang! 105.2. There's a lot behind the scenes with writing. You got to have someone there with a cheese filter that can go yeah. that one and that one's good; these ones are no good.
0: I think the biggest well, there's a number of challenges with that. Um, partly, it's you know, it's 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 some people want to do things by numbers. They say right, you know, we need you know forty you know irreverent sweepers, <sighs> and we worst. need thirty every week or whatever. You say, well, you know, creatively, this is going to be a real challenge. And if we sort of hang ourselves up on that, we're going to end up producing stuff that's not up there just because we've got to hit the numbers. Mm. Now, on the other hand, you can't go to the other sense where, you know, you do some stuff and it's brilliant, then you don't touch it for six months. You know, you've got to have a bit of sort of, you know, massaging of it. But obviously, you can, you know, you can look at how many plays the things are getting and how they've been scheduled and how many people are hearing them. So that's perfect for working out, you know, when stuff needs to burn because obviously some people in the office get very sort of tired very quickly. But mm. if you look at how often the listener hears it, they haven't heard it very much at all. So there's a good sort of challenge on that. But we used to, I mean, you know, we we started off writing all the stuff ourselves, and then we worked with a couple of comedy writers who were brilliant, um, um, Tom Binns and Gary Delaney. Who they both got sort of TV and comedy careers, and um, they were really good. But Tom was from a radio background as well, so he got the sensibility So you got to the point where sort of you know, Tom and Gary would write some stuff together before they brought us into the process. And Tom would almost be the filter for Gary because Gary was brilliant, but really sort of really dark and really harsh. And Tom was that as well, but he'd kind of be the first line of defence, say, look, you know, this isn't going to work on the radio. This is crazy. And then it'd come through to us, and we'd maybe you know we look at sort of you know a page and a half of stuff or two pages of stuff. And maybe say, right, well, here's one page that we can do. One page would be great and that'll you know, that'll work us out and that'll work really well for the next, you know, sort of two or three weeks. And then obviously you introduce topical things and time specific stuff and all that sort of stuff. And then there's other things that just sort of come out of, you know, messing around in the booth. There's one you know, we were talking about this at the weekend. The problem is you could never do what Kerrang did then, you could never do it now because the social media backlash, once people heard it and got hold of it, would be crazy, you know, at the time. You could get away with so much more stuff.
1: Great. And it's like there's a right of reply now, uh, that immediate yes. opportunity for yes. the GM
0: to go get that off i've had three tweets exactly exactly and that, that happens now so you can never get away with it so it's, it's kind of you know it's born of its time you could never do it now it's so great at the time but now it just wouldn't work because yeah within about six weeks you'd be hauled in front of a lot of people to be on social media and everyone would be sacked
1: mm. and then so from karang down to australia where you started doing the virgin stations yes And then eventually across to Nova. And I remember when you came to Nova. And this was an interesting role. So this was... Group production director for Nova and Smooth and also the APD yeah. for Nova 100 in Melbourne. Yes, that's right. Were you producing much in this role or was this more a, like a national leadership role?
0: Yeah, no, no Nova, I pretty much, um, yeah, didn't really touch Pro Tools. I mean, obviously I you know, did my sort of on the slide bits on the side, but um, yeah, for, for, for Nova, no, it was, um, I was obviously group production director and then I had um, Maddie Dow who was underneath me and Matt used to do sort of um, a lot of the stuff and obviously PSO in Sydney and then obviously you have the individual producers like, you know, Toby and Andy and Rhino, but um, yeah, in terms of me and Pro Tools, no. For Nova I, I pretty didn't touch it it was more a case of just sort of you know communicating the ideas of what PJ and Mike Cass wanted and needed and then bringing that you know out through the production and sort of briefing and you know doing it accordingly as well as the APD job for um for Nova in Melbourne. How did you find being the APD of Nova Melbourne and and, and having
1: all this Pro Tools experience but not being on the tools yourself did you enjoy sort of just facilitating that?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of nice because, you know, I've kind of done both over my career. I mean, that's the good thing. I've, you know, I think what I have sort of specialised in is almost like where production meets programming. So I've been able to sort of see both sides of the role because from a very early sort of age, I was brought into the big, you know, programming discussions and the big programming decisions. So it was great to be able to sort of, you know, feed both those two beasts at the same time. And then also, you know, I think if I was just doing sort of production, you know, pro tools day in, day out, you know, you do it for the first few years and stuff. But after a while, I got to the point where I wanted a bit more variety and I like doing that sort of stuff, but not as the primary focus of my time. Because I think this happens a little
1: bit is people can feel like they've been pigeonholed. You just do production. You just do this. If there are any producers listening that have that interest in programming, what sort of advice would you lend them to start to learn those
0: skills? Well, I think the more you can learn about programming, the better. The more you understand what the program is trying to achieve, because all the time you've got a producer who's kind of in their own box, doing their own thing and, you know, not fully clued into the final purpose of why this is happening. It makes it a lot harder to do your job. The more you can understand, you know, why are we positioned the way we are? You know, it's great to know, you know, when you see like, the perceptuals done on the research study, you see, here's the problems that we're fa- that radio stations facing, you know, here's what people are trying to achieve. You know, we've got a problem with this perception. We need to own that perception or whatever. You know, certainly with a lot of the work we do on the slide, it comes out of, you know, knowing, you Know, what the challenge is, what they're trying to achieve, you know, where's the real sort of problem or, or what do we need to solve? You know, do we need to own artist ownership or do we need to own music flow or is it variety or whatever it is? Because once you know what you're trying to achieve fully from a programme perspective and then where it fits, um, you can just do your job so much better. And also, you know, all of us here, we've all been sort of uh, panel ops or tech ops or whatever you call them or, or jocks back in the day. So and how it gets placed and how you play them. So it's great to know and get a feel for, you know, not only why are we doing this and, you know, what programming role are we uh, taking to do this and why does the programme Want me to make that, or why are we doing this specific, you know, specific messaging? If you know from the research it says this, or the programmer believes this, or whatever, then it makes fully sense. You can get it right in your head, and it helps you to achieve that message and give them more options on how to do that. And obviously, different PDs work in different ways. Some like to write their own copy. Some let you write the copy. Some it's a combination of the two. But the more you can understand, you know, the sort of creative process of why are we doing this, and what message are we trying to get out there? What's the main reason for this? What's the main, uh, you know, calls for call to action here? The more you can do your job better and create a better audio, and then you sort of get less drawn down into the sort of nuts and bolts of you know the wishes and bangs and you know what's the primary purpose that we're trying to achieve here you still have to do it in style and the right personality of the station but why are we doing this
1: that is so good there is so much in that response just there because i feel like you know you often see a promo script and it says you know the most music and you think you sort of think You're right. You know, to your point there, it's like, do you have an issue with the perception that you don't play the most music? Because you could potentially be putting a message there that's actually more targeted to improving the
0: station. Exactly. And sometimes you don't know those things. I mean, it depends on the station and the network. You know, you might find that, you know, um, you know I've been quite lucky because I've been always been sort of quite close to the decision makers, but you might find in maybe larger places that it's come down the chain. If you're sort of, you know, maybe a junior producer coming through, that you don't, you know, your immediate boss doesn't exactly know, and people are trying to guess in the, in the middle and work out what they think the boss is trying to achieve by this. But the more you can find out and get it from the horse's mouth, the clearer it is. And to be fair, I think in my experience, most people want everyone to know exactly what the direction is and exactly why we're doing it, because then it just helps everyone do their jobs better.
1: So important. So important. I think that's something that gets forgotten a lot. So I would encourage everyone to listen very carefully to what Chris is saying. Hey, Chris, let's move on to some of your on the sly stuff. Super cool. So it's yourself.
0: David Wakefield and Dan Snaith, are, th- are you the main three? Yeah, we're the main three. And then we've got um, our, uh, one of our producers is uh, Jacques, we've got a composer called Tom, and then just lots of sort of um, singers and um, uh, composers and uh, other sort of uh, production guys we work with on a sort of project by project basis. But yeah, that's, that's the core sort of you know, Monday to Friday team. What does a typical day look like in the
1: on the sly office? Like, what, what will be going on in a typical <laughs> day there?
0: <laughs> A lot, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, a lot. Obviously, you know, we've all got our own kind of, um, you know, specialities. Where you know, David will sort of lead more on the music side and sort of, uh, you know, the sort of business administration side. I'll run more on the sort of project management side and uh, helping out with the um, imaging and stuff. Uh, Jacques will be sort of doing the first mix on a lot of um, uh, a lot of the uh, the work we do, the imaging and the, the the song intro service that we do and the outros and the, all that sort of stuff. And then Dan's kind of like the lead on the imaging. He'll sort of do the final mix and a lot of the imaging, all the sort of development work, all the demos, all that sort of stuff. So we all kind. Kind of play to our strengths and we all do different things but you know we all sort of sit down and we share ideas and stuff and we come up with stuff together I mean that's the good thing of the variety of the stuff that we work on it's so many different sort of formats and you know you know at the moment we're sort of looking at various things from you know there's some sort of classic rock stuff kicking around there's some chr stuff kicking around there's some hot ac stuff there's all the song intros that are sort of going out the door today um you know there's some jingle development work we're doing and we've just finished mixing a documentary for Rum radio two and um yeah it's just kind of yeah it's really nice that it's so varied and um and it just keeps it really interesting. The Virgin Radio Dubai jingles. Yes. These are super cool.
2: The UAE's number 1 oh, yeah. it's
1: music station.
2: Virgin Radio.
0: How did this sort of get conceptualized? How did that come together for you guys? So we've worked with the guys at Virgin in Dubai for yeah, a long time. We've, um, we're, they've uh, used our sort of song intros, branded service, our intro service for the last couple of years. And um, you know, I, mean, I actually sort of uh, worked on the launch of Virgin Dubai back in the day in 2008 when I was um, working with the Virgin guys. So it's great to be able to sort of see that all the way through. And uh, yeah, we've been working with them pretty closely for the last few years. And then it got to the sort of stage last year where they said, um, do you know what, we're, we want to move things in a slightly different direction. We're sort of, you know, we've got some new stuff going on. Um, there's some new exciting stuff like them until this point, they haven't sort of had full um, Nielsen radio rating and that's finally coming in. So there's lots of cool stuff happening. They've been sort of, you know, anecdotally number one for ages, but now this gets to become official. And um, mm. they basically, uh, they said we want to do something slightly different. We don't want sort of traditional jingles, but we want something to be a little more sort of sonically um, consistent, if you like. Something a little bit more of a moniker, something that we're more famous for. So we basically spent a lot of time working with those guys and going, right, how can we turn this into a sort of, you know, contemporary uh, sort of, you know, sung you know, jingle format, if you like, but not too cheesy. And how can we also build that into the sort of music? And the way we move forward stuff. So that's how we came up with a sort of like a two-part package where we created some sort of, you know, contemporary sort of CHR sort of, you know, beats and loops and um, uh, you know, sort of chucked all the voices in and uh, sampled it up and sort of saw how that sounded and put the things in. The
2: UAV's number
0: one music station.
2: 104.4.
0: But then we thought we need this to work across the music as well. So we were looking at different options for a sort of logo for them or whatever. And the first few things we tried out, they sounded really good, but they were really struggling to work across the songs. And then we worked with one of our composers and um, we said, well, how can we sort of, you know, fix this challenge? And we decided if we basically just work on the sort of, uh, on two main notes, then that can pretty much work across all songs um, on their playlist. So therefore we can get to use this logo in all the jingles, in the beds, but also we can run this across. Across the songs, and therefore you get the real sort of stationality and the real, um, you know, consistency that they were after, but in a contemporary sort of cool fashion that runs across the board. So that was really great to be able to you know work with those guys. You know, attack the real problem they were looking for and deliver something that's been on air for the last uh, couple of months, and everyone's really, really, really happy with it. Hey, what's up? It's Ariana Grande. The UAE's number one hit
2: music station. Virgin Radio. It up. Virgin Radio.
1: Here we Great, fantastic. So the BBC Radio 1 Summer Mix. I love this. Here we go. Turn it up. Radio 1 Summer
2: Mix. Here we go. Baby, 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 let's go. Yeah, turn it up. This is how we do it. Radio 1 Summer Mix. Open the window, turn
0: up Radio 1. What's the next time? We are all here for one reason and one reason only. Yes.
1: Radio 1 Summer Mix. Two, ah. two, radio. Yeah. Yeah, Turn it up! BBC Radio 1 Summer Mix. Wind down your window and crank it up. <laughs> I'm just talking words. It's a fantastic music mix, but I think what grabbed me was it had some really interesting and cool drops through it. They felt sure. genuine, not textbook, Sort of had street cred. How did you put this one together?
0: Yeah, so this has sort of been evolved over the three years. So when we started three years ago, the brief at the start was they wanted very much involved the... Um, well, it was, you know, we want something that stand standout, something that's special. It was one of the big things that was used to uh, launch the iPlayer, BBC iPlayer radio app um, when it started out. Absolutely huge. A lot, a lot of work producing, you know, I think there was like 45 mixes or 40 mixes or something. Um, so, you know, one-hour mixes across the summer. So on top of all the other stuff we're doing, it's a you know, massive, massive workload. But they're really fun to do, and there's a lot worse ways you could spend your time.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And- You know what I loved about it was, as I said, just the genuine not textbook drops. There's something, you know, I use the term street cred. There really is just something very cool about... The grabs they don't feel like they've just come off the shelf.
0: Yeah, they came from lots, you know, lots of different places and sort of you know songs and stuff. But you're right, we didn't want to just use the most sort of obvious, straight in the middle things. We were looking for you know things that could really sort of add some texture and add some flavour, but weren't the most obvious kind of hype grabs that you hear day and day out. They needed to be a little bit different, a little bit special, and then just use them in the right ways and you know just sort of mix them in with the you know the loops and the acapellas and stuff. Um, And we obviously we we got some from the Jocks and some were from other places, but um, you know it was a big sort of pooling experiment to sort of source all this stuff and then. you know, get it into the mixes.
1: Yeah. What do you think makes a great promo, like a killer promo?
0: Well, I guess, you know, My favorite promo. I mean, firstly, the starting point obviously is you know what are you trying to achieve? What's the purpose of this? Because you can make the most great sounding promo in the world, but if it's not doing the job it's intended for, then it's you know just a nice piece of audio candy. You know, some people will say you know that maybe the message isn't the most important thing as long as it feels right stylistically. So you know, it's the right style, it's the right vibe, it's the right feel. You know, because you know that's one part of it as well, isn't it? What do you want the audience to feel as well as what do you want them to sort of you know understand? What do you want them to feel? Because that's part of it as well as the message itself. Um, But I think you know some of the most sort of um, you know exciting. as i've heard you know there was one you know years ago this is like you know sort of um back in like 1999 or something there was one that ran on kiss in london and it was all about their weekend dance lineup and they did sort of big name djs and the the is pretty long to be fair it's pretty about maybe a minute long and it just sort of set out the different um things that you do throughout the week to show how boring your work week was so you know you know wake eat you know work, sleep, you know, it goes on repeat and you know, each one of these things being demonstrated and then this beat just starts to move in behind it as it gets more and more sort of rhythmic and it builds a big crescendo and it basically says, you know, the weekend should be better than any other day, you know make it easier, this is your kiss weekend, all that sort of stuff and I mm. thought just where that interjection of, um, you know, your day-to-day life and what it means to you and what you do at the weekends, it was just a really powerful message so I think if you can find something that delivers a really powerful message that really cuts through and gets to the core of, you know, what people are experiencing day 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 out and how they live their lives and do that in the vibe of the radio station with then bringing in, you know, their sort of favourite music or styles or, you know, DJs or whatever it is, delivering that content to them, you can position it against their life and that can be really powerful. What I'm loving about this is you're starting with the
1: purpose, what you want them to understand, what you want them to feel. I just, I've written that down and I've underscored it. I think that is so, that's probably a step that is just uh, sort of skipped over.
0: Far too frequently these days. Yeah, I mean, I guess you know, because it's got to be in the brand of the radio station, and you know, there's some, you know, some brands of their radio station You can, you know, you've got certain parameters to work between. So some you can't go very far, and some you can go quite sort of, you know, A to B in terms of what you're doing. But yeah, it's got to be, you know, what you trying to make this person feel. You know, particularly if you're starting with some sort of, you know, whether it's a holiday or a cash promo, whatever it is. You know, there's so many ways you can do it. You can do it through drama. You can do it through fun. You can do it through excitement. You can do it through unexpected. You know, there's lots of different ways to do it. But you've got to just sort of stand back and say, you know, what do you want them to feel and you know what's the one thing you want them to remember because that is the hard thing particularly if you look at like massive concert promos and stuff it's so difficult there's so much information you need to get in there all these different things and they're not going to you know take on board every single piece of information because it's you know sometimes they're so long there's so much to get in but if you can make them feel something about the event then you've done half your job at least
1: do you know what i think might be relied upon a little too heavily these days is that approach of this is the biggest thing ever
0: yes yes which is why I was at Kerrang! It was great to do the anti cell because if everyone else is screaming loudly and sell, 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 it's so nice and so easy to sort of put that to one side and say, no, we can do the exact opposite of that. There's a, a famous voiceover and a creative guy called Nick Michaels who just um, died recently, unfortunately, but his whole thing was, um, in the overcommunicated world, a whisper becomes a scream and yeah that couldn't be more true in, um, in sort of today's radio you can't always do that on your station it doesn't always work but where you've got the scope to do it you know you don't always have to scream at people if you scream at people too much they'll just turn off they you know they just won't go in
1: a hundred percent. And, you know, the other thing that's probably overused is that we've done this, this and this, now we're doing this? <laughs> like, yes. Is that like yes. an internal dialogue that's accidentally <laughs> spilled onto the radio?
0: <laughs> I guess it depends how much, you know, you think people sort of pay attention to the radio stations? Some stuff, you know, really does sort of have massive appeal. There'll always be super fans and people that are listening really intently, but... Um... You know, you can become known for, fa- you know, you can become famous for certain things. There might be massive things that are associated with your radio station, you know, and if that's coming up in your audience research and it's, you know, a real plus point for your radio station, then yeah, fair enough, absolutely. You can use to leverage off that. But, um, you know, if they're not going to sort of know about it or remember it, then you don't want to go too crazy, that sort of stuff.
1: No, totally. And so on what you want people to understand and what you want people to feel, probably a great time to play the Cube launch sequence.
2: Okay, so how does that story go? Is it Once Upon a Time? That's right. Back then, there was a radio station all about Seattle hip-hop. They started up in 1992. Damn, that was way before I was even born. They called it Cube, and they were doing it, yo. Taking their cues from DJ Nasty Ness, mix lot the Emerald Street Boys, mixtapes, breakdancers, record store owners, and music fans all over the Pacific Northwest. Cube was about it and listeners loved it. It was all a dream. From the 90s, <clears throat> into the new century. May I have your attention, please? I'm sorry, Miss Jackson. Throughout the 2000s. we don't set this party, up, And into the 20 teens. So we put our hands up like the ceiling can And then Quiet. it was gone. You survived grunge, a million coffee shops, and even the Sonics bailing on us, only to leave us without a hip-hop station? Come on, man. What are we going to do about that? Give me the mic so I can take it away. Seattle. Seattle. We heard you. What's up, Seattle? Cube 93.3 is back. Drop it on Seattle. Ride Now. Now.
1: You definitely sat down and thought about what you wanted them to understand and what you wanted them to feel. How did this one come about? It's outstanding, by the way.
0: Thanks. Well, do you know on this one, actually, uh, luckily, was written by um, the sort of group program director who oversaw um, the launch of this radio station. So, actually, the copy in this instance came from him, which is quite mm-hmm. good because, you know, there's only so many hours in the day. You can only do so many things. You know, we're not super clued into every VO in the US market. So, it's great that these guys already chosen their voices um, for the network. And in, in the States, generally, pretty much, you send the copy off, you get the, the, the voice audio back. So, it's not like you generally direct it. But luckily, the guys did a great job. And, um, yeah, we were basically given the script and the, um, and the finished VOs and then just sort of created everything else ourselves it's fantastic and so with your
1: programming hat on you'd have to agree a really effective launch sequence because i'm picturing and and this is not to say that anyways bad but the traditional initiating launch sequence 1098 <laughs> <10, laughs> you know <laughs> this really actually grabbed the audience and went hey here's what's happening
0: Oh, yeah, and I think there was a discussion with this one about, you know, should we at the end, with the build at the end, you know, is it big enough? Do we need more sort of, um, more more of a crescendo in there? Should we have some sort of, you know, um, some sort of countdown at the end? And we decided in the end for this one we didn't particularly, you know, because the format at the station, you know, sort of being a hip-hop station and the energy that was coming through there. You know, one of the challenges with, um, uh, with this launch actually was in terms of, you know, we did the build obviously, but when it came to then showcasing the music on the station, obviously a lot of hip-hop at the moment is um, sort of quite slow and, you know, sort of fairly down, downbeat. There's not lots and lots of energy there, so that was a bit of a challenge you kind of need to sort of, you know, hype the thing and make it sound really exciting. But then when you come to the music hooks, you've got to try and sort of, you know, work around, you know, the playlist and what you're working with. So we ended up, we had a different track at the end. We ended up sort of changing over to Macklemore in the end, I think, because it had that sort of more energy to it, but still ticked the boxes.
2: And to get it all started again, How about 14,000 songs in a row with no commercials. Seattle, you welcome back a legend. K-U-B-E, K-U-B-E F-M, H-G-1, Seattle, Tacoma. Hey, check this up. This is q 933
1: Seattle's number one for
2: hip-hop.
1: You know what I love about imaging in the UK especially, and the BBC do it exceptionally well with the stuff that you do for them, I've noticed, is real, genuine. You know, the Pete Tong show imaging, it sounds very cool. It sounds big. But the voiceovers sound like real people in areas. They're not like, "Hey, you know, I'm on." Now on BBC Radio, Radio One.
2: This is Friday night. BBC Radio One. Pete Tong. We're taking you deeper into the weekend. The legendary, the one and only, the
0: world famous Pete Tong. Radio One. Holla! Yeah, I mean that that's the key with all that stuff, isn't it? It's, you kind of you want to hype it, but you don't want to overhype it. It can't be like the oversell cheesy hype. It's got to be sort of hyped, but in a sort of, you know, as cool as possible way. So and that often comes down it's partly down to the lines you're writing. It's, you know, it's and about obviously the feel of the brief of the show and the station, so you know, you know what's gone before, you know what these people stand for, you know what their brand values are, but it's also about choosing the right voiceovers that um that can sort of, you know, come together and deliver those lines you know if you, if you start with a great voiceover and the script is working then you know that's that's half the work done if you like then it's just bringing that to life and then just you know making sure it feels right and you know again what do you want them to feel because generally with these sort of big friday night you know sort of credible music dance shows you want them to sort of you know it, it can't you know it's going to sound very different if it's, just, if it's a commercial show you know if it's a sort of a dance anthem's top 40 commercial dance show or if it's sort of bringing new music to the table and more of a sort of you know underground or more credible then you know it's got a it's got a fit right outstanding stuff
1: now i understand you probably wouldn't be working on this so much with on the slide but a lot of producers will be working on breakfast or drive promos reflecting daily content sure with your production hat on but also your programming hat how would you if you were doing something like that how would you be crafting that style of production
0: so we did a lot of work with that on Nova. that was one of the fun things about nova was basically working with the um, the sort of breakfast audio imaging guys, the breakfast producers to you know to do those daily trails and um, you know we worked with um, you know the guys in Melbourne the guys in, in Adelaide specifically and you know we kind of started off on, when I got there. I think there was just you know top and tail clip promos if you like, and mm-hmm. we started developing them you know and obviously you know we decided well, what are we promoting tomorrow you know are we firstly are you selling what happened today or are you selling what happened tomorrow or are you doing it across the two so you know what's the purpose of this what we, what thing are you pushing um, Um, You know, Mm in some days it might be you know that it is just a brilliantly you know sort of funny clip from that show, and I think most of it was kind of generally from that show. Some of it was multi-day arcs that would then throw forward to the next day. But in that instance, it was you know something great that happened on the show this morning. So if you start with the clip and you listen, right, you know, so what's happened? You know, how's this sound? What's the clip or whatever? And then it's a case of right, what is the best way to showcase this clip? What is the best way to bring this to life? And often that starts with some sort of you know you have to introduce it or some sort of narration or something. I remember there was a Hughes and Kate promo and it started off and there was. There was something that that it was something about um, uh, someone doing some sort of walk, and we basically turned it into almost like a mov- movie promo, where you go right. Well, here's the information. Here's the story, if you like. The best way to deliver this information is to set it up by either I can't remember if it was, Hughes, or if it was a, um, a movie voice, movie trial voiceover. It might have been both, but yeah, you basically <laughs> highlight the clip and you say what's the best way to present this clip to give it maximum impact and tell that story, and therefore you can introduce it, you can sort of drop in around it, and you can then throw it forward to the next day, and it just makes it so much more powerful than literally a, you know here's what happened this morning play
1: absolutely that's a that already in just what under 60 seconds that's a great checklist for someone who's just starting out is are you reflecting what happened today or are you selling what's happening tomorrow what clip what's the best way to showcase the clip you could start there and you would already be better off than a donut promo
0: i think Exactly. If you know, if you've got a great clip to start with, then it's brilliant because then you can just decide what is the best way to highlight this and what's the best way to, to use this to tell the story. You might use it in its entirety. You might chop it up and introduce bits and pieces. But yeah, if you start with a great clip, then you are laughing. If you don't have great clips, that's obviously one of the hardest thing, you know. Yeah, you can obviously, you know, you can forward trail and you can say what's happening tomorrow, then you can almost like, you know, create something from scratch if you need to and say, right, well, you know, what's happening tomorrow, if it's something specific or the end of this week or whatever, and what script can we write around to tell the story of to get people interested in coming in tomorrow. And then you can either highlight that with audio, or you can just, you know, do it through, you know, voiceover and, 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 uh, you know, whatever effects and sound design and, and music you use around it. So it just depends, you know, what you've got to work with. Mm,
1: it's going back to the purpose. What do you yeah. want them to understand? What do you want them to feel?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it's like, it's like design, designing anything from the ground up. You know, if you're working for a creative agency and you're, you know, working whether it's a TV campaign or, a, or an audio campaign or whatever, you know, you're starting off with what's the message I'm trying to tell, what's the best way to tell that, what characters, what voiceover, and then what music and sound effects you support that to deliver that message.
1: And how about something slightly to the left of that, a massive prize or a massive concert to tour we need to do a promo for pink tickets other than just pinks coming and we've got all the tickets what other ways have you found over the years of approaching that process of doing a massive prize like that
0: yeah, I mean, it comes down to, you know, what you can do within the combines of your station. You do that very differently on, you know, a station like, you know, Kerrang! than you would somewhere like, you know, Fox or Capital or, you know, even My Femme in LA or whatever it is. You know, you do it very differently depending on that station's tone of voice. So some stuff you can do, you know, in terms of the comedic or whatever. You know, you can go down the comedy route. You can go down the hard sell route. I mean, the thing I always feel with the, the I feel with, you know, if you go down the sort of comedy route, it's probably more catchy and it's probably uh, pricks up your ear more. But at the, the back of your mind, you're always thinking to yourself, you know, am I underselling this by not making a big deal about it and by sort of going down the comedic angle because you know for people that want to go and see Pink it's the most exciting thing for the world for them but on the other hand if every time you do it it's sell, sell, excitement, excitement, excitement it can be difficult so it's good to kind of vary up a little bit but you know you might look at things like you know what that artist has been famous for or you might you know look at you know if their fans had done something crazy um, you know to get their last time and for example you know this was years ago but back at Galaxy there was a um, uh, there was some sort of uh, trip to go and see Justin Timberlake somewhere and there was a different competition each day of all these things you could do, um, you know, each day to get those tickets. So, you know, you might then hook it upon that. You know, people were crazy enough to do this. People actually did this. You know, what would you do to go and see, you know, this artist or whatever it is? It depends on the execution because you might find there's a story to tell. Sometimes it's the the way you do it that's the story because if the uh, if the morning show or breakfast guys are you know delivering it in a specific way, you know, lick it for a ticket or whatever it is, then that can be the route into doing it. And maybe the artist isn't the most important thing all the way through. On the other hand, sometimes it's about an artist coming back from a break or so they've done these amazing things, they've sold this many records. So sometimes it's about thinking about, you know, what art, what impact does this artist have? Now, that's easier said than done, because sometimes it's a no-brainer and sometimes it's really difficult. You know, not everyone's going to be perfect if, if they haven't got a real obvious story to tell. But the more you can think about, you know, who am I appealing to and what would be a nice way for them to, you know, sort of to, to, to find out about this, whether it's, you know, through the hard sell or whether it's through an intrigue or whether it's a story about the artist, you know, it's, it's, there's different ways to do it. But yeah, it is a challenge to always keep continually coming up with new ways of doing it. You know, there's not limitless. You've
1: had so much experience in leading teams as well and dealing with creative people and it can get tricky. What's the best way to give someone feedback if you hear something, like you're working on a content team with someone and someone brings you something, they're really excited and your gut feeling is overwhelmingly that's not quite right?
0: Yeah, that's the tough thing because you want people to try new things, you want them to try and grow because there's no point, you know, just sort of like putting them in a box and not letting them try things because they'll, they'll never feel like they're sort of getting anywhere. But on the other hand, you know, they've got to sort of, you know, you, you can't just be sort of letting them put stuff out on air that's not right or, or not up to it. So, you know, the, the more you work with someone, the more you understand, you know, sort of what the, what their buttons are and, you know, which way to deliver messages and stuff and, you know, some people take it quite well and some people don't. But I think, you know, firstly, the more they understand what you're trying to achieve and when you sort of say why you don't feel this is working, um, you know, the more they can understand that, the, the closer they will get to the Hit rate, the hit rate will go up and up and up. I mean, certainly it's harder when people are starting out because they don't have the experience, so it's harder for them to know. Or sometimes they might, you know, know what they want to do, but when it comes to it, they don't have the skills to actually put it together to make it, you know, feel or sound how it needs to sound. So that can be sort of quite challenging. And you know, there is times where you know you sort of you give them pointers, you give them pointers, you give them pointers, and maybe on the third time, sometimes you know, there's been times where I say, you know don't take this the wrong way, but let me just sort of show you. And then you can sort of make something and say, you know, it doesn't have to be this way, but here's what I would do. And sometimes that sort of cuts the chase. But in, in most cases, you know, that's, that's sort of an early days sort of thing. And, you know the more they do it, the better they'll get. And it's just about being mindful. Because You know, the thing is, we're all creative people, you know, even the management are creative, well, generally, if they're leading these teams, they're creative people. So they know what it's like to receive feedback. They know, you know, how it can feel to have sort of your ideas pulled apart. So it's doing it in a sort of sensitive and tactful way. And there's some people that sort of don't care for that, and i will just smash straight through. And it happens, you have to get used to that. The longer you're in the business, the more you realise that, you know, they don't mean it that way, it's just the way it comes out. But yeah, the more sensitive you can be, because everyone's trying to do the right thing and putting their ideas out there, they put them up on the wall, and and people pull them down. So you have to be a little bit sensitive. But, you know, the more you can show them the right direction and show this is, this is, you know, this is what we're all about, the closer the hit rate is. Mm, and
1: managing confidence because when exactly. the confidence goes, exactly the creativity kind of goes down the toilet as well, doesn't
0: it? Exactly. You've, you've got to feel confident. You've got to feel... You've got to feel confident. And you've got to feel valued. You've got to feel like you're in the right space to allow your best work to come out because if you're sort of feeling really under the pump and you're feeling like you know, you're know you not getting anything right, then you're not going to do your best work and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Where do you sort of get your inspiration from, Chris? It seems like you consume a
1: lot. Do you turn to anywhere in particular or are you just always listening, always watching?
0: Yeah, there's nowhere in particular. I mean, I think over the years, years gone by, I've kind of spent more time listening to more radio. I think I listen to maybe less radio than, than I used to. But I mean, obviously, it's everywhere. I think the biggest sort of challenge, if you like, is there's just so much out there. It's, it's, it's more knowing when to switch off because, you know, if you're sort of look, listening to the radio and, you know, you're watching TV and all the social media feeds and Twitter and Facebook and all that sort of stuff, it can, you can get lots of stuff in there or it can become a bit overwhelming. So sometimes it's, it's knowing when to sort of switch off and when to have some quiet time because otherwise it just can become, yeah, just, just become full on. So, you know, I mean, I keep an eye on stuff and, you know, lots I get to work with, you know, like, even, for example, the BBC team that we work with in BBC Creative, um, you know, we see lots of projects that we're working on, but other people are working on. You see how different people have, you know, approached those ideas or those um, problems. And that gives you inspiration because, you know, I, you know, I would never have thought of doing it that way. That's really interesting. So the more you sort of see other people at working and see how they're tackling their problems, it gives you fresh ideas for tackling your problems.
1: I 100% agree. I think watching another producer work or watching another team create something – That is, there's almost nothing quicker to step you forward, is there?
0: Yeah, absolutely. The more you can surround yourself with people, you know, good people who are approaching, you know, similar problems and doing a great, good job of it, you know, the better you'll get.
1: At the same time, though, excellent point about switching off.
0: Yeah, that's one of the things, isn't it? I think it's just uh, today, it's just, yeah, everything's so crazy and it's there's only so many hours in the day and, you know, if you are on all the time, then you're not going to be able to do your best work because you can't sort of have those peaks and troughs and relax and, you know, you need to just have some time to, to think about stuff because if you're always just consuming you're not thinking, then, yeah, that's a fast road to nowhere. So true. On that note, any holidays coming up, Chris? <laughs> Actually yes, I'm going away. <laughs> I'm going away in a week and a half, so we're just working out how uh, everyone's gonna uh, sail the ship uh, while I'm away. Cause obviously it's a quite small team, so we have to sort of work around holidays and stuff. But yeah, I'm, I'm going away for a break in a, in a week and a half. It's the first one with a new baby though, so I'm not sure how relaxing it'll be. But hopefully it won't be too bad. We decided to bring my parents along as, um, as babysitters to give us some time to ourselves. So hopefully that will help things. Smart.
1: Clever. Chris, this has been so great. Mate, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much because I think there is a tremendous amount of learning in there and um, thank you so much for sharing it, man. Really
0: appreciate it. No worries. It's a great service you're doing. It. It's great to catch up.
1: And on the sly, um, so I use you guys a lot for voiceovers and yes. I can uh, you know, say, absolutely fantastic. Thanks. Um, so what other services do you guys offer if anyone needs anything?
0: So, yeah, we do, I mean, our sort of our biggest service, I guess, is our, uh, our Branded Song Intro service that's that most famous one that runs on MyFMLLA and lots of places. And, um, you yeah, lots of stations use that to complement the sound because, you know, there's a lot of production toolkits out there and, you know, there's a, obviously everyone needs those. But some stations, they want this sort of something extra or something that gives them a bit of an edge or something a bit different in their marketplace. So lots of US stations particularly, but they're all over the world. The intros is really big. And then we do complementary services like outros and we do like a sort of um, a Power Start CHR service and, um, and our new studio series jingle service. So there's you know a good range of stuff. It's basically big tools for programmers and you know producers as well, just to give them a bit of sort of uh, extra X factor on their radio stations. So it's not just you know them day in day out. There's something extra that we can bring to the airwaves that just makes it sparkle that people really love.
1: Yeah, fantastic and great voiceovers. So on the slide.co.uk. Thanks, mate. Chris, thank you so much, mate. Really no appreciate no. it.
0: Great job. Cheers, mate.
1: How good was that? Thank you so much, Chris. Awesome chat, brother. I really appreciate the time. He's a busy man. Uh, if anybody wants to get in contact with Chris, they can do that at chris at onthesly.co.uk. And in terms of any of the imaging highlights from the guys, they're on uh, Facebook, SoundCloud and YouTube at forward slash on the slide production um, and at on the slide Prod for Twitter. Um, they know what they're doing and, yeah, very cool guys with a lot of experience. So, Chris, thank you again. Um, okay, so we're back to Australia next week. If you want to get in contact, podcastshow at gmail.com, and I'm at DomEvansAU on Twitter. I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening.